listening to Lighting Up Real Estate with your host, Kendall Lockett. Lighting Up Real Estate Podcast, Episode 50, How to Do 40 Flips by 40. The goal of this show, as always, is to shine a light on people's strategy systems goals, and ideas to help you start your real estate investing business. And on the show today, I have Atlanta real estate mogul, Gene Johnson. I follow him on social media and he created a very ambitious goal in a seller's market, a global pandemic, and at a time where there is a material shortage in the U.S. to flip 40 homes in 2021, which is the year he turns 40, in Atlanta, Georgia. Okay, so we discuss how he got into the business at a very unconventional time, his simple strategies for flipping, advice for beginning flippers, dealing with COVID-19, and of course, we got to discuss if he's even close to meeting his goal of flipping 40 homes by the end of the year in Atlanta, Georgia. So you'll also notice a little bit of sound delays because these were calls coming into Gene's phone while we were recording. Ignore them. This conversation is so lit. You will listen to this multiple times. Okay, let's go ahead and get started. Hi, Gene. Welcome to Lighting Up Real Estate Podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, no. Thank you for being on. I follow you and I am so inspired by every post, every closing. Anytime you're doing something big, I'm like, okay, I've got to get him on my podcast. He's he's the one. He's doing it. No, well, well, again, I really appreciate the opportunity, and um, you know, I've I've checked out some of your some of your your previous podcasts, so I'm excited about being on here. Oh, so thank, thank you. Again. you. <laughs> okay, so let's get to it. For those that don't know who you are, introduce yourself. Well, my name is Gene Johnson. I go by Gene OJ. Um, I'm a father of four daughters. Uh, been my wife now for 17 years, so I'm, I consider myself a family man and a father first. Uh, it's God, family, real estate, kind of in that order. And um, I've been doing this for about 13 years now. I started out as an agent and uh, always wanted to be a real estate investor. So mm-hmm. when I started, it was really a perfect storm because the market had just tanked. Okay. And that brought a lot of investors into the market. If you, I don't yeah. know if you were around 2008, 2009, oh, they used yeah. to have these big Hudson and Marshall auctions and stuff. So I was mm-hmm. fortunate to become an agent at that time. And I got a chance to be an agent for a lot of investors. Wow. And, um, you know, eventually I started partnering with them, flipping properties with them. So they kind of helped me out in, in terms of becoming an investor myself. That was dope because you jumped in to be an agent when everybody else was jumping ship. They were like, I'm out. (laughs) That is incredible. So you withered the storm. So how long was it before you started doing your first deal when you started working the agent? Well, so I I got licensed in 2008. Okay. And so I didn't do my first flip into 2010 because I was focused on learning, uh, making money as an agent. And then, you know, I was fortunate because most of the, the investors were buying, you know, rental properties. Right. These properties needed work. Mm -hmm. And so they didn't have like a contractor. A lot of them were in New York, California. So in order for me to make the sale, you know, I had to find a contractor. And a lot of times it was hard for me to find a contractor. I didn't really know. So I just volunteered to start overseeing the projects. So I kind of unofficially became a project manager 
which kind of helped me because I got to learn a lot of different things. And back then it was a lot of carpet and paint type stuff. So it wasn't mm-hmm. really a lot of heavy, heavy gut jobs that we were doing. Right. So I got learned the basics on other people's money. And I got the, you know, I have made some mistakes along the way, right. uh, of course, but I really got to learn by using other people's money. So it's kind of a blessing. But I built those relationships where if they bought a house and I renovated it for them, like they knew I was going to do what I said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. And so later on down the line, you know, I started finding deals that made sense to flip. And because we already had the relationship, I started presenting those deals to them saying, hey, you know, instead of renting this one, we can sell this one and make 50 grand. And um, then I started talking to him about percentages because I was doing all the work. I was finding the property. Uh-huh. I was overseeing the rehab and I was selling the property. So I just wouldn't do that for a flat fee or a commission. I started, um, you know, doing it for like 25% of the profit. Then as I got my confidence, I started asking for 50. Whoa. Then I started building more investors. Then I started giving them, you know, maybe 25%. And then, then I turned some of my investors into my lenders. And so now I have a lot of private lenders that I've built over the years. And these are relationships that go back, you know, seven, eight, 10 years. Um, so that's kind of how I've, I've built my business. Okay. So when you took that leap and you got into to real estate sales during the crash, which everybody was probably thinking like, oh my gosh, you were crazy to do it. Like, I know you couldn't see the bigger picture. Like, did you have any idea it would turn to turn out to be the way it is right now when you took that step? No, I did not. It was scary. And to be honest, I had, um, you know, I, I knew I wanted to be in real estate. Yeah. Like 100 percent. And I was actually going to be a wholesaler. There was a wholesale company hiring. OK. And they required me to get my real estate license. And um, the wholesale company went out of business mm-hmm. um, about a week after I got my license before I was supposed to start. So I had my license and I never mm-hmm. thought about being an agent. And my wife was like, well, you have your license. Why don't you go be an agent? Mm-hmm. Because I didn't understand like how agents got paid or none of that stuff. So I went to, I think it was like a Keller Williams, um, you know, um, career night. And yeah. they start talking about commissions. So I got all excited and I saw opportunity, mm-hmm. you know, with me becoming an agent and, and taking that path to become an investor. But it was scary because everybody was getting out. Like right. the world was crashing. Like people, you know, people, you know, said I was crazy. Why are you getting in real estate when everything's going down? You know, but I just, right. I had tunnel vision. I just was focusing on what I was focusing on. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't listening to what everybody else was saying because I, I figured that, you know, there had to be a way to make money in this, in, in this industry. Right. And then when I got in, and um, within within a couple months, I figured I, I started meeting investors and going to the auction and networking. And mm-hmm. right then I, I set my mind and said, you know what, I can network with these investors. All I got to do is re- get really good at finding them houses. And once mm-hmm. I do that, then I can, you know, I, I can figure everything out from there. But it was scary. It was very scary getting into it. It's so many gems that I just heard just from that. <laughs> That testimony, because it just seemed to me like you were around the wrong people. But then when you got around the right people, everything just took off. Yep. Yep. Wow. Wow. Okay. So what made you decide to do flipping? Like when you were with investors that were doing the buy and holds, why the strategy with the flips? Well, flipping, because 
I want to make bigger, bigger profits. Okay. To be honest. I mean, just as in, you know, I in a I faster did a amount of time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I did a lot of wholesaling as well. Uh-huh. And, you know, just kind of back up. So I, I built a lot of investors. And before I got into flipping, I started wholesaling properties because I had all these investors. Mm-hmm. And I had a list of like hundreds of investors. And I couldn't be everybody's agent. So I so I started researching other ways and I came across wholesaling. And so I started wholesaling in like 2009, 2010, mm-hmm. where I would get the property under contract for a good price because I can always negotiate it. And, the, and this was these were MLS properties. Mm-hmm. So let's say the properties were listed. Let's say the property was listed for like 100 grand. I can go in there and get under contract under my name for 85,000. Then I can sell it to the investor for maybe ninety five. Right. So I was selling them MLS properties mm-hmm. below market value, below the list price, and I was getting a commission and I was getting a wholesale <laughs> fee, you know, on top of that. Right. But back then you could do it was so many properties available. You could do like hood properties, and yeah. people don't know like hood would allow you to wholesale their properties. You just can't sell it for more than twenty percent of what you purchased it for within a ninety day period. And um, I did a lot of double closings back then. And people don't realize like banks, they didn't care if you did mm-hmm. like wholesale deals. You just have to do like transactional funding and do double closing. So there was a, a certain way you had to do it. Okay. So I figured all that stuff out like in the 2009, 2010, wow. um, kind of when I got into the wholesaling part of it. Wow. So while everybody was jumping ship, I'm still just blown away by this. Like you were banking, like you stayed busy. Wow. Yes. Very busy. And so to answer your question, I wanted to get, I was making good money wholesaling. Mm -hmm. You know, I was making, you know, you know, $10,000, $15,000 a property. Right. But I started to look at some of the properties I would wholesale to my investors or other people. And, you know, six months later, they would go in there and make, you know, 70, 80, a hundred thousand dollars off that one property. And wow. so it really pushed me to get more into the flipping because I'm like, if I can make, you know, 80, mm-hmm. you know, why not make the 80 versus making the, the, the 10 or 15? I just had bigger goals than wholesaling, right. you know, right. I to make, make, make bigger profits to get into more buying holes and to start doing other, mm-hmm. other things. So that's the reason I got into flipping because of the bigger profits. Okay. So let's talk about your first flip. So, Obviously, it was given to you or you found it. Like, how how did it fall into your lap? Yeah, pretty much the majority of the stuff I find um, on my own because Mm -hmm. that was like the one skill that I got really good at was finding properties, finding off-market properties, MLS properties. I was really good at finding deals. So all my deals, I pretty much find myself, Okay. um, you know, up until I started hiring people. But the first flip was just the MLS property. And it was a it was a cheap property. Um, I think I paid uh, twenty grand for that property. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to do it by myself, so I actually had a partner. Wait, you paid twenty with, grand? Well, okay, this the market has crashed, <laughs> so okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, <laughs> ten or so. Um, yeah, we paid Stone Mountain, and back then labor was really cheap. Materials was was, was of course a lot cheaper. Uh, we ended up putting about twenty five thousand right. into the property. And uh, we sold it for like 90 grand. That was my first. Oh, wow. But the, the learning. Experience, so after that, you were just a, a yeah, rehab but the learning addict. experience on it was um, was 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 quite a lot because it, it needed more work than my normal okay. carpet and paint type stuff. 
Like we had to do like updating electrical. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we had to do um, retiling bathrooms and, you know, change out the roof. And prior to that, most right. of my investors were looking for, you know, carpet and paint type stuff because there were a lot of newer homes that were selling that were going into foreclosure. And we were able to find a lot of carpet and paint. Right. So this was my first one that was a little bit more than carpet and paint. So I had to find an electrician. I had to find mm-hmm. a plumber. I had to find a carpenter. And, um, you know, I actually went through a couple of different subs and uh, we ended up losing, um, not losing money, but we end up we end up having to pay for some of the sub, same stuff twice because of, you know, bad, you know, bad contractors or not picking the right right subs to do the work. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something we never talk about, but that's common. It's just, yeah, we end up paying twice for the same job. So did you, when you sold it, did you sell it to a buyer or did you sell it to another investor? So this investor? one we actually sold to an end buyer. They were, uh, I think it was an FHA buyer. Nice. Yep. Well, we sold to okay. an end buyer. And then you kept the commission because you were that listing yep. agent on it. I'm I did sure. keep the commission. <sighs> Yeah. And that this kind of amazing. propelled me. You created like yeah, a one-stop it, it shop. Did. That kind of <laughs> propelled me because I was still, even though I was renovating properties for my investment mm-hmm. at the same time, and most mm-hmm. of them was carpet and paint, I was always of the mindset of, let me try to do one on my own or with the with the with another partner in this case before I presented it to the masses. Right. And once I sold that property, it mm-hmm. kind of opened up the floodgates for me. Uh, because then I was able to mm-hmm. go to my other investors and and show this one as as almost a proof of stake. Like, listen, we bought this one for twenty. You know, we had twenty five or so in it, and we sold it for ninety. Here's what we made. You know, instead of us always mm-hmm. doing, you know, keep buying your rentals, but let's also add some flips to what you're doing. And they were all kind of on board yeah. because the relationship was already there. You know, we've already been working together for a year. Mm-hmm you know, or so, or two years, however long time. And um, so right. all my investors were already kind of on board to do it once I presented, you know, what I've done and I've already had a relationship with them. Mm-hmm. So when this first flip, how did you fund it? Uh, the first flip, we actually just paid cash for it um, because it was, it was 20 okay. grand. My partner ended up bringing, um, I ended up putting in 20 grand myself. Like we split the down, we split the purchase price. Mm-hmm. And I think I put in 20 grand for the mm-hmm. rehab and he brought the additional 15, 18, whatever it was to finish off the project. And, uh, I was more hands-on. He was involved as well too. We're helping with materials. I was more hands-on and we just kind of split it 50, 50. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about partnership. What made you want to go with a partner instead of just doing it on your Honestly, own? Honestly, fear. Um, because that, he, he did have okay. some a little bit of a construction background where, you know, he was already an investor. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, did, I didn't want to take on all the risk by myself. You know, even though I knew on paper it was a good deal, I was still kind of unsure of myself, right. to be honest. You know, because this is my first mm-hmm. time. It's just like, any you know, any, anytime you're doing something for the first time, you're going to have some confidence, mm-hmm. but you also, I mean, there's naturally going to be some fear. And so I just said, you know what, instead Absolutely. of me doing it by myself, let me create an opportunity uh-huh. with this partner. But I also knew that by doing it with a partner, it can help me get to where I want to be faster because this guy had the ability to do two or three at a time, you know, 
Um, so it was also strategically was strategic as well because once this one went good, yeah. then we immediately went to look for two more properties and we got two more going. And then I started presenting it to my other investors as well. And before you knew it, know what I had like, you know, seven or eight properties going simultaneously. Uh-huh. Not wait a minute. You had seven or eight yes. going after this first deal. Dang. So all you needed was just that first one to just affirm that you knew what you were doing. It wasn't as bad as you yep. just got over the fear. Exactly. And just took off running. Oh my gosh. Wow. <laughs> So how did you manage going from one to now seven to eight? I mean, with you and your partner, like you had, like who was responsible for what? Like what was your day? Back day then it like? was crazy. It was, it was chaotic because I okay. was, um, you know, my partner, he was, he was with me uh, on the two that we had together mm-hmm. that we got going. But on the other ones where I had my out of state uh, people, um, I was the one that was handling everything. Because I had investors in New York and okay. California, and so they were just depending on me to find the property. They would just send me the money to renovate it. So I was handling everything, and um, so wow, it, it was. I didn't have any formal training on project management, so it was very chaotic. But I soon started to try to get organized, where I started create like a spreadsheet for every property. Um, so like when I would walk through the property, I would be very detailed in terms of what we needed. Then I would price out the material and then Mm -hmm. I would, I started, I started putting the same finishes in the same properties. I just tried to scale it, um, so that it, it made everything like seamless for me. So I didn't have to do a lot of thought. I just spent all the time organizing it and then ordering everything I needed. And then I developed a, I developed a system over just trial and error. Um, on what worked, okay. so I would just do certain things at a certain time. But it just it, it took time. I'm not gonna lie; it was and it was challenging. And I I made a lot of yeah. mistakes. I made so many mistakes where I lost so much money. And okay, so name some of them so that way so, we all can relate, or we could ex- not say expect it, but we yeah, know that just, we're just not doing the ones stuff. That have dealt just with doing this. stuff out of order, like you know, like putting in putting in carpet too soon. Like I never put in carpet now mm-hmm. until like the very end because you put in carpet and then let's say you put in the carpet and you have your electrician comes, come back and run, put in light fixtures and plumbing fixtures. Like they're going to walk on it. Even if you cover it, the covering is going to get ripped and you're going to end up having to replace it or, or clean it. So it's just a, it's just certain steps you want to follow and renovate new property. Because if if you don't, mm-hmm. then it's going to be double work to come back and and kind of do it again. And um, mm-hmm. over time, I got very detailed. In the beginning, I missed a lot of stuff. Like I wouldn't pay attention. I would. I wouldn't. I didn't. Well, I would say I wouldn't pay attention to certain things. I just. I just had so much going on. I was just moving too fast, and I wasn't detailed. And so, like, I wouldn't look in the attic and know like it needed insulation in the attic. And when you're renovating a home, every home is different and you really have to take your time Mm -hmm. and do a really good scope of work up front to understand everything that you need to do to that house. Because if you rush it and you miss stuff, it's going to cost you more money to come back and either fix it or redo it um, if you don't catch it in the beginning, you know. Okay, so what is the key? That's that's 
You're 100% right what you just said. But what is the key when there's so much competition out there? Because like when you started this, you had it this all to yourself. Now there's a lot of competition. And how do you, for newbies out there, how would you be able to like get that scope of work when you're still trying to get your offer in to beat out everybody else with the property? Well, that is a great question. And fortunately for the people listening, you know, we have a, me and my partner, we have a um, course coming out in about two weeks. And, and this course awesome. is going to be how to do a, a renovation budget in under 15 minutes. And basically mm-hmm. it's a spreadsheet with about 150 items mm-hmm. on it. And we broke it, we broke it down okay. into 10 categories, like the planning, the mm-hmm. permitting, the foundation, the frame and interior, just and under each category, we have everything that you need to look for. And it's all formulas. So like nice. when you see a house, a lot of it, you just either know the square footage of that house or be able mm-hmm. to count like windows and doors and certain things. And you just put the formula in and it'll kick back to you um, what the cost is for it. Let's just say, for instance, paint. Nice. So like paint. Uh-huh. You know, can be anywhere from a dollar to a dollar fifty a square foot. Even you just said, just keep it simple, a uh-huh. dollar a square foot. You know, for labor, if the house is two thousand square feet, then you know it's going to cost you two grand to paint that house. So you just need to be able to look uh-huh. at the square footage and 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 see up front what it's going to cost approximately. Every house is different. Sometimes you might need a little bit more work, uh-huh. a little bit less work. But when you're doing a budget. It doesn't have to be exact. It's never going to be exact to the penny when you're doing a budget up front because you don't see everything up front. Mm-hmm. And sometimes your ideas change or material change or, you you know, your your thoughts change on what you should do. But before you buy that mm-hmm. property, you need to have an idea uh, of approximately what it's going to cost. So our course is going to teach you how to go in a house and estimate that costs really quick. That's needed. <laughs> that is needed. So, okay. So then what is the key to like getting the offer accepted then? Like, do you have a certain strategy for that? Or, I, or is this where you need the realtor to make well, that Well, yeah, the realtor you? helps. Um, I am a realtor. And before you can mm-hmm. find a lot of stuff on the MLS. Um, in the last two years, I've probably only purchased maybe two or three actual properties off the MLS. Compared, okay, you're currently based in, in where? Yeah. Okay, you're so Atlanta, prior Georgia. to okay. that, I could find properties every single month on MLS, like consistently. So mm-hmm. most of my deals now come from networking. I think, like, if you're new, first of all, it's important that you network. Like, there are a lot of online Facebook groups. I think it's also important that you go to your local network working meetings because you'll meet investors with deals. You'll mm-hmm. meet other wholesalers with deals. So networking provides me a lot of deals. Um, one of the reasons I've been actively on so- social media the last year was just to grow my network. Mm-hmm. Um, I get a lot of deals now from social yeah. media. Um, the other thing that you need to do um, also is just be proactive. Like, I don't drive for dollars mm-hmm. anymore because I don't have the time. But if you're new, driving for dollars is really good. I know wholesalers that I get deals from on a regular basis. And all they do is drive for dollars. So, um, having some type of website 
or presence online is also key. If you don't have like, you know, your investor mm-hmm. website and you buy houses cash, you're missing out because there's a big opportunity into finding online leads. So a lot of, I would say 30% of my deals come from online leads. You know, I have a, a website, Carrot, nice. where I, I, you know, pay mm-hmm. them like 150 a month, but I spend money on SEO and I spend mo- money on like um, mm-hmm. Google ads and Instagram ads to drive traffic back to my website. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's been working. The key is having, okay. you know, I would say a minimum of five different things that you can always be generating leads. So website, networking, um, you know, definitely social media. You know, I do cold calling. I have four cold callers. All they do is cold call. Um, and then I used to do mailers. I stopped because I just didn't get the response from uh, the mailers. And in couple markets, I mm-hmm. still occasionally do bandit signs. Um, we, we're down in Chattanooga. And so I'll, I'll do bandit signs in the Chattanooga market as well. That's my hometown. Okay, so let's get to this ambitious goal of 40 flips by 40. <laughs> yes, that's very, that was very <laughs> ambitious. I mean, I honestly, I've been flipping. I've been averaging 25, 30. Like the, my best year, I think it was like maybe 2018, I did about. 30, 31. Um, I've never done, I've never hit 40. And this year I, I've been pushing hard to, to hit that goal of doing 40 flips. I've been, I've been close, but I, I haven't, I haven't hit it yet. And I'm still close. Um, but yeah, that was just a goal for this year. It was a goal that I still have. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a hard goal. It's an it's amazing goal. It's a lot of freaking work. It's a lot of um, it's a lot of everything, you know. Uh-huh. I know in order for me to hit this goal, I was gonna have to, you know, partner with more people, because, you know, financially I couldn't carry, you know, forty properties at a time or twenty properties at a time. So, it what it did was it 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 pushed me out of my comfort zone. It also it also and raised more capital, and it also made me build my system to scale up bigger. And actually, what happened was it 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 streamlined it stream it helped me streamline my business more and okay. scale my business more by putting this goal into place. Mm-hmm. So I've already I've turned forty this year in March. Nice. Okay. So, so when will you be forty? Year that I turned forty. But all in one year. Okay. So okay. January of twenty twenty one. To mm-hmm. December, got it. You got know, it. Okay, thirty first, twenty twenty one. I want to flip forty properties this year. I'm pretty Jeez. much there. I, I think I'm. I think I'm going to hit maybe about forty, forty, maybe oh mid forties. I should hit mid forties. So you're there, because you still have, yeah. No, I can't. This is amazing. Okay, so you can't do this all by yourself. So you mentioned, <laughs> so who else is on your team helping you get this together? So, so my wife, she's an agent. She handles awesome. a lot of the day-to-day stuff with, with just the real okay. side. Um, she has a full-time assistant under her and her full-time okay. assistant pretty much handles um, 
inbound calls, outbound calls, um, anything pertaining to the listings. Um, she handles contract to close. She handles um, just all the paperwork going to like the CRM and the spreadsheet in the system. So she she just kind of handles mm-hmm. everything over um, with the real estate stuff that my wife gives her. And then we have a full time office manager that really runs the construction company. So she handles like the permit. She handles, you know, paperwork, writing checks. She helps mm-hmm. me with ordering stuff. So she handled a lot of stuff with the construction side of things. I have two full-time project managers that kind of oversee my projects. Um, and then I kind of deal with just kind of the project managers mostly. Now I'll, I will get involved mm-hmm. with dealing with subs occasionally. Like I'm more involved with like the new bills when we do the foundation and maybe the framing. After that, my okay. project managers kind of handle everything. Um, I have, a couple different designers that I use. So mm-hmm. if we're doing like an easy in and out flip, we're probably not going to use, use the designer. We're probably just going to use designs that we've already used. But on the newer bills or the higher end homes, I'll have the designer design everything and I'll approve it. Mm-hmm. And the designer pretty pretty much put everything down to the T in our spreadsheets. And I'll just send that spreadsheet to my office manager. My office manager will just order everything. And so it takes it off my plate from ordering it. And then we'll usually get it delivered to the project manager. And the Mm -hmm. project manager will, you know, will be responsible for putting that stuff in the property once it's needed. So when the plumbing's ready, they'll take the plumbing Mm -hmm. fixtures. When the electrical's ready, they'll take the electrical outlets. Um, On the acquisition side, I have several agents that, um, that I work with that are always looking for deals. You know, they'll put in offers on my behalf. They find stuff, whether mm-hmm. on market or off market. So I'll spend a lot of my time, you know, talking to these agents or wholesalers, um, just looking for more deals. So the, the construction is kind of automated at this point for the most part. And okay. the real estate portion is kind of automated. So most of my time is really just building relationships with either new investors that want to invest or looking for and vetting out other opportunities. That is so dope. That is dope. Because I was just about to ask you, like, what does your day to day look like? And you answer that. So you're just continuing to make the business grow. Yep. So I just focus mostly on the business. Um <sighs> So I don't get too involved, heavily involved with the with the rehabs anymore, just because I have the project managers. Mm-hmm. It's just it's too much for me, and the and the money is really finding the deals. I mean, I can find people to manage rehabs. All the money is finding the opportunities, and then finding the investors that want to put up the money, yeah, to be a part of the deal. So I just gotta yeah. focus on the money making activities, and that's that's why I've been able to grow because I scale the other parts. And I could just focus on the stuff. The money. This is the dopest strategy. And that's where you are like your strongest. Like you said, from the very beginning, you know how to find the deals. And so that's what you, you, you pretty much created all the other um, responsibilities on other people so that you could focus on where the money is. And that's what you know. This is so dope. Oh my gosh. Okay. So when is a book coming out? Uh, I don't know. I <laughs> this is a dope I strategy. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't thought about it. Um, I, I, 
that's a good idea. Maybe I need to think about doing a book. 40 by 40? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe I should think about doing a book. But now, yeah, but now but... the goal is bigger. Now the goal is like 100. And I see, the, I see nice. how I can do it. And it's not going to be signing all these one-off properties. Because my goal in the next couple of years, I mean, I'll still do deals that come my way because it's my bread and butter. And mm-hmm. I'm not going to say no if I have the system. But I just bought... 20 acres of, of land in, in um, Atlanta to do 20 new, well, 16 new bills. And then I bought 12 acres. To do in Atlanta. Six. Yep. So we have. That's uh, amazing. 20, um, and then I have some other land that we're going to be doing. So we have almost 30 new bills coming in the next year or two with land that we already own. So now it's taking these same models and systems and just finding land, developing land. And just doing like neighbor sub. Okay. Okay. So I got to ask this question, even though I know the answer, but just for the listeners. So the reason I'm guessing the reason why you're going into new development is because there's not enough properties that are already existing for you to rehab and flip. Am I correct? Yep. That's a part of it. And then you have, okay. you know, all these job sites all over town. And then two, the, the thought process is is you just you ne- you can't control what you find. Like I, I may want to find a property mm. on mountain. There, there's no guarantee I can just find a property in a certain neighborhood. Yeah. You know, and then now these sellers want a lot of money and it doesn't make sense. So for me to continue to grow and continue to hit my numbers and get bigger, I have to find land, develop land, but also too, it's gonna help me build my brand. And um, I I really enjoy the new bills more than doing the renovations. You know, if I had to choose, the new bills are actually easier than doing the renovations, to be honest. That's what I've heard other investors say. Like my my childhood best friend, she swears by building her rental properties instead of just rehabbing. Yep. She's like, no, it's easier. It makes more sense. I know what I'm getting. I have no issues. She swears by it. So, and I've heard other investors say that too, like developing is where it's at instead of just taking a property that's already existing. It is because when you take an existing property, especially like you're in town on the Beltline, a lot of these properties mm-hmm. are so old and you really don't know what you have until you start tearing it down to the studs. And it's always yeah. constantly fixing something. And then when you have a mm-hmm. problem, even though you know how to fix it, you know, everybody's busy. You know, it's hard to get somebody to come out there and, 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 and fix this old house with this low crawl space. They got to lay <laughs> on their back and, you know, like, it's, it's like people don't like to do that stuff. Well, you can get people to do it, but it may not be next day. It may take you a couple of weeks before you can schedule somebody. And then you have another problem and then you got to solve that problem. So you're constantly mm. solving problems and you add two weeks, three weeks. Wow. You add and before you know it, it's like, you know, it's easier to, it, it is easier to build because when you have a, a good foundation guy and a good mm-hmm. framer and good subs, like you can pretty much build these houses with your eyes closed, you know, yeah. you're not running into yeah. like these fix it problems. You still have problems, but they're, they're different problems. It may be a material shortage where you're waiting on something um, mm-hmm. or, you know, those type of problems. You're not trying to figure out, you know, how to, do a sewer line under 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 a house that has a one foot crawl space. Yeah. Yeah. And I've also heard too, like even just for working with contractors, contractors was much rather work with a job from beginning to end 
and knowing that it's going to be consistent work every day than opposed to just doing this one paint job and then you got to wait for the next property to happen for them to get paid. They really just work with someone that's consistent with the development than a rehab. Exactly. And like you have a lot of framers, like they only want to do new builds because there's so much work trying to take out old wood and put Mm -hmm. new wood back in and making everything kind of tie in together. And you get better, you get better quality subs when you do new, new construction versus rehab. Wow. 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 Okay. So we got to get into your money mindset because I mean, this, I mean, to start off with how you did during the crash to now where you are like developing real estate in Atlanta. Okay. (laughs) That's a lot of transition. Was there a book or a mentor, a conversation? Like, how did you go from this level to the next level to the next level? I mean, this is growth, growth. It's, I don't, I wouldn't say, I mean, I do listen to a lot of different books. Like I, I have mm-hmm. um, like this audio, um, like on audio book, audio on my phone, you know, the where okay. you download books. I listen to books all the time about motivation and growth and just mindset. And for me, I always have to, like every year I try to be better than what I was last year. Because in mm-hmm. life, you know, nothing stays the same. You're either going to get better or you're going to get worse. And if I'm not Absolutely. pushing myself to get better, I'm going to stay stagnant. And so the mindset is always trying to just be better every single year. And I think, you know, like at the end of the year, normally around this time, the holiday time, October, November, I really start thinking about my goals for, for next year. And mm-hmm. I look at what I did this year and the year before, and I just figure out, like, what areas can I improve on? Like, what was a struggle for me this year? What can I improve on? It? Mm-hmm. Sometimes sometimes it's not even me improving, like me personally improving on it by doing it. It's just, okay, I need to outsource this just to take it off my plate. And then if I mm-hmm. outsource it, how much is it going to cost? But then how much is it going to free up my time? to focus on making everything bigger and grander. So it's just right. me always pushing to try to just, just be better than what I w- was last year, honestly. Okay. So what are you listening to? Everything right now I'm listening to the intentional mindset and um, I just finished. Ooh, I haven't heard that one. And then um, 50 cent has a book um, that I, I just downloaded and started listening to listening to it. Everybody is talking about that book. Yeah. It's on my wish list. Yeah. And I like it because I mean, he, he narrates it um, himself and mm-hmm. it, it, it helps you think differently about certain things. And um, I think it's going to help me with my social media and help me with some other stuff. I just like his perspective on, yeah. on, on stuff. And it's, and, and it's already kind of the same perspective that, that I have on certain things. Mm-hmm. But he's he's just of course a lot bolder to to take <laughs> to take to take those opinions, you know. And um, so I I do I do enjoy um, I want to enjoy listening to the rest of this book for sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay, so what is one thing that you have learned about money um, that you didn't learn in school, of course? Oh man, uh, a lot. I don't think I learned anything about money in school. Um, I don't think we did either. <laughs> so I, I, I would say this, 
credit is credit is way better than money. So if you, I mean, if I had to choose between credit and money, I would take credit all the time. Um, wow. But, but money, like the thing I learned about money is that the the the, the more you chase it, the mm-hmm. harder it is to catch. So you know, focus on I guess the process and your craft, and then money mm-hmm. will definitely come. Like get good at something, and money will just it'll it'll flow in eat very easily. Um, okay. The other thing about money is that, like, it really has no value just sitting around. Like, I try to stay right. with it to a certain extent, but I just can't have, like, a million or $2 million sitting in the bank. Like, I have to spend it on real estate, land. Like, it has to be working. You know, I do some crypto mm-hmm. and I got some other stocks and stuff. Like, like if you just have like a, just say a million dollars sitting in the bank, just, just say anything like a hundred thousand dollars sitting in the bank in five years, like it's not going to grow. It's still going to be about what it is. Like same. if you put yeah. that same hundred and you bought two rental properties and say you put down 50 grand on each property and let's say those properties went up on, let's say the properties only went up, you know, um, 10% in five years. Yeah. You just, you know, make 10%, you know, mm-hmm. by leveraging your money. So I try to always leverage my money against assets that will appreciate. I do have some stocks. I'm not heavily, heavily into stocks. Uh, mm-hmm. I just, I just enjoy real estate because I, I know it, I trust it. And um, I understand it more than anything. And mm-hmm. um, so I, I guess, Try to figure out how how you can put your money into stuff that's gonna that's gonna grow your money, or put your money into stuff that's gonna um that's gonna pay you a return. Like if you get a rental property, that rental property is gonna pay you back. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Okay. So how did how did you adjust with COVID nineteen? Like, did your business slow down? Did it speed up? Like. <laughs> It 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 went crazy because the inventory, you in the Excel right there. <laughs> yeah, it was like, man, it was just like 2019 and 20 have been probably. I've been doing this for 13 years. 2019 and 20 have been probably the top top two or three years. Like I I had a really good year in 2013. And then I had a really good year in 17. I mean, every year has been good, but those two years were really good. But 19 and 20, they've been amazing. Like for me to do 40 properties this year, over 40 properties, it's been an amazing year. So mm-hmm. the the adjustment with, with COVID um, was, it wasn't even finding the deals. It was just doing the deals. Like you have material shortages. You have overages um, that creates overages in, in all of your budgets. But at the same time, the, the property values have went up so much that it's offset everything. Mm-hmm. And the inventory is so low. So whoever has the most inventory right now is going to win. And fortunate for me, wow. I had a lot of stuff in the pipeline. You know, mm-hmm. and some of these properties that I'm selling now, I've owned, like I'm letting go what, seven rental properties this year. These these are properties Mm -hmm. I purchased in 2018, you know, and at the time, just to back up in 2018, 
the market kind of got cold because they raised the interest rates. I think that's right. So like 18 started off really good. Like prices were up, properties were selling really fast. And then like July, August, like things slowed down. And then like mm-hmm. they lowered the rate at the end of the year. And then the following year, like things kind of got back. But what happened was in 18 was a blessing in disguise. Like I had about 12 properties that I could sell, but I didn't want to sell because I didn't want to sell mm-hmm. for like 5000 or $10,000 profit. So I decided to keep them and just instead of just letting them go for almost nothing. And right. I'm glad I kept them because now all those properties have over $100,000 in equity in them just a few years later. So that's that was kind of a blessing. So the adjustments in, in COVID has really been labor shortage, material shortage. And if you can figure out the labor shortage and material shortage and find inventory, you can, you've had a great year in the last two years. It's been amazing. Awesome. Okay. So you mentioned you have four daughters. Yes. What are you teaching them about the business? Um, as much as they want to learn, like my, my, my two middle daughters, I have a stepdaughter that's 25. She's in, she just graduated college. She's not really into the real estate thing. Um, she's into like the nursing or whatever. So she's mm-hmm. not, not really too involved. Um, or don't really want to be in the real estate, but my, my 13 year old, I'm going to, I'm going to really press her because I think, um, <laughs> I mean, she really has an eye for stuff and I think she, you know, she likes visiting the properties with me. I let her pick out stuff. Um, nice. They're still young. So I'm, I'm not, I just kind of let them be kids, but I do mm-hmm. want to get them involved as they get older. Um, especially when they turn 18 and want to make it's going to be a requirement for them to get their license. Like even if they don't do real estate, I just want them to understand real estate, how it can help them build wealth Mm -hmm. and, you know, whether they want to, whatever they want to do, I'm going to support them in that. But I'm also going to encourage them to do real estate, you know, invest in properties. And of course I want to mold them to take over the business if they want to, if they want to, but I'm not going to, you know, press them that it's a, it's mandatory for them to do it. Okay. Speaking of requirement, this is going to be my next question. And you pretty much answered it with making them get their real estate license. For those listeners that don't have their license, do you think it's a benefit if they want to get into flips for them to have their license? I absolutely do think it's a benefit for them to get their license because one, the thing about real estate in anything is it's always a benefit to have multiple streams of income. So when you, so if you're just an investor, you make money when you, if you do a wholesale or you make money when you fix it and sell it. Um, But if you don't have a license, you can't make money on the purchase if it's an MLS property and you have to hire somebody to sell your own property. So you just have more streams of income. And then also too, from a networking standpoint, I think it actually benefits you because when you tell somebody that you're an investor and a licensed realtor, just by saying you're a licensed realtor, you know, sometimes it's going to give you more credibility. Even if, even if you don't even practice traditional real estate, if somebody mm-hmm. says, Hey, yeah, I'm also with Keller Williams or they name some, some major company or, or they like people associate, they're going to associate you knowing, knowing they're going to associate you 
with having the knowledge just by you saying that you also a realtor. Right. You know, so right. it That's definitely helps. Point. Um, it helps it helps you raise money because, you know, if you're an investor and you're, you know, quote unquote a realtor as well, like it it, it can help it can help those relationships. Um and there's just so many ways to make money as an agent. Like you could do BPOs for banks to make money. You can also yeah. do rental properties. I used to make a lot of money doing rental properties. And back then I was charging first month's rent to rent a property. You know, if mm-hmm. you rent out five properties a month and they all rent at a thousand dollars a piece, you know, that's an easy five thousand dollars a month. And it's so easy to rent properties. Like you you know, put it online and within a couple hours you're gonna have your your phones on multiple. Phone. Yeah. So, yes. So you just you give yourself an opportunity to um have multiple streams of income, build better relationships, and I think more doors will open and more network opportunities will open by you having your license. So yes, definitely get your license. So like what is your ultimate goal? Um my ultimate goal is it's really to just to start building subdivisions um, in, in, in custom homes. Like I just enjoy the construction process. I enjoy building homes mm-hmm. um, and I'm really starting to enjoy doing custom homes. Now that I'm getting more into custom homes, I just enjoy the process. I enjoy, Okay. I, I just enjoy everything about it. I, I love to see, you know, your vision come together when you, you know, start out with just a raw piece of land and you come up with plans and then you come up with renderings and and just just to kind of see everything come together. And um, I think it's... Are you funding your own deals now or are you still using um, investors? Both. So I do fund, you know, so if I have 10 projects going on, then maybe three or four of them, depending on where I'm at, you know what mm-hmm. I what I've what I've purchased. Sometimes I'll I'll buy land and sit on it, but I'll I'll always have stuff going on just by myself. But then everything else I'll bring partners in. So with my partners, that like so when I raise money now with people that want to do deals with me, I'll pay them twenty five percent of the profit. But they cover they have to cover the down payment for the loan and they have to cover the carrying cost. Mm-hmm. So for me, you know. It's really no money into the deal on, on some of these deals that I'm doing. And I get 75% of the profit. But, but of course, I'm finding the profit property. I'm doing all the construction on it. And then we're selling it on the back end where the investor is really passive. They're just putting up the money. And I have some good relationships with lenders where, you know, it's normally just 10% down. Um and then whatever the carrying cost is for six or six months or eight months to to get through that project. Okay, so that's want to make it clear for the listeners. So when you say you build custom homes, is that the conversation when let's say I am a realtor, <laughs> I'm a licensed realtor, and I have a client that says I don't think I, I see anything on the market. I just want to build. But this be the part where I say, okay, I need to get you with Gene because he can build that custom home. I build. I do. I, I have done a couple. Build- wait, wait, wait. Say that again, because your call came in. No. Repeat that again. Yep, no, it's not. And I, I went down. I, I <laughs> thought about that. Uh, I've thought about that. Uh huh. But I don't. I don't think I have the patience to work with 
work with homeowners. It just sucks so much of your time. And there's just so much stuff going on. They don't always understand. And um, there's just so many variables I can't control. And so for me, when I say custom homes, it's me just building, you know, a a, a custom home um, or a spec home. I mean, I'm customizing it because it's not like a a cookie cutter house. It's going to be a custom house. Just me building it and selling it once right. it's complete. I don't think I, I don't think I'm cut out to to be a home builder for other people. I just got too much going on, and it's just it's very time consuming working with working with people. I mean, it's yeah. it's fun, but it's just it's very it's very hands on. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Okay, so gee, this is an incredible conversation. How can we reach you? Instagram is probably the best way to reach me. It's Gene underscore Johnson. The number one, again, Gene, G-E-N-E, underscore Johnson. Okay. Okay. Is there anything that I did not ask you that you want to tell the listeners? I think we covered a lot of stuff, I, but I would I would say this, whether it's real estate or whatever, I think the, the biggest thing that's helped me was just constantly, constantly um, like changing my mindset. And changing my mindset about money, changing my mindset about, you know, goals, always make your goals, you know, you know, bigger than what you can imagine. You know, maybe maybe not out the gate, but just always have always have goals Mm -hmm. and always be putting positive things in your mind. Because when you do that, it's 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 going to go a long way. And the mindset is like the number one thing. And don't be afraid to fail like everybody fails. Like you, you should expect to fail. Failure is okay. Um, it's not okay to quit, but it's okay to fail. If you fail, you learn from it and then you move on. If I wouldn't have failed a thousand times, I wouldn't be where I am today. So I can appreciate my failures. The first new build right. I ever built, I lost $75,000 in 2014 or 13, mm-hmm. whatever year I built my first house. I lost $75,000. And I could have quit, but I didn't. I, I kept going. In the next house I built, I made a hundred thousand on my next new build. But I learned from my mistakes, and I, I recognized my mistakes and I fixed them. But expect wow. to fail, but grow from your failures. They will make you better. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. Okay, you lost seventy five thousand, but you kept going. Yep. What was your why? <sighs> um, my family. Like, you know, just being able to provide the lifestyle for my family and kids, being able to take care of mm-hmm. them, you know, of course, taking care of my parents and stuff. Um, and then also, too, you know, we, um, you know, we started a nonprofit um, as well. And so just being able nice. to give back and do more, you know, just mm-hmm. in the community. So just my family is my why, you know. Nice. Nice, nice. This interview was so amazing. Okay, so we can also find out about your course from Instagram or is there a website? Instagram. I'm going to be posting it all over Instagram. So definitely follow me on Instagram. I post a lot of my properties on Instagram, you know, and then, you know, too, um, we give a lot of uh, tips on how to get started. We give a lot of uh, definitely Instagram. I do have a YouTube channel. We have about 100 videos on there, me and my partner. And it's called uh, KP 
Gino J Flip Atlanta. Um, you can just Google K J Atlanta and you'll see okay. it pop up. But we have a lot of um, before and after properties, a lot of tips. Um, you know, we talk mm-hmm. about you know different ways to find deals, different ways to find contractors. So great, great information on there. Okay, I'll put all these links on the webpage <laughs> for this interview so that they they can get instant access to uh, where you're located everywhere. Yep. You have a YouTube channel. I didn't even know that. Oh my gosh, I'll be watching YouTube tonight. That has been my latest fix is YouTube. I've learned so much. And speaking of mindset, I found, um, have you ever heard of Bob Proctor? Uh, yes, I have. Yeah, he has this, he's been going live on YouTube like 24-7. I'm like, okay, for the entire month of September, nothing but Bob Proctor. My mindset has been amazing. I'm like, Candle, look how far we've come. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do it again for the month of October. Keep it going. So, yeah, the mindset is everything, everything. I think it's like 90%. And then, like, everything else is easy once you get over the mindset. Yep, absolutely. That's that's it. That is it. Yeah. Yeah, so he is playing in the background now. But I thank you for being here. Thank you for being a light. And I got one last question for it? you. My life in real estate is... The uh, the first word that pops in my mind is amazing. Because it really wow. One of the things that receive that like <laughs> financially in build wealth. There's there's nothing else out there like real estate. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, there there are a lot of things out there, but just not having like I don't have a college education. Like that. I went to college for like. But five years, I didn't graduate. Um, a short attention span. Hate learning stuff. I I don't like to learn. Like I know so many people that go to college. They're doing stuff they're not even. They didn't go to college for. So real estate is one of those things where if you got hustle, and heart, and a work ethic, and you will learn. Like you can do it. Like anybody can do it. You just have to have yeah just some hustle about yourself, and you can make it happen. Yeah, well, I thank you for being on the podcast. And anytime you want to come back, just let me know. You are welcome to come back anytime. Well, sounds good. I appreciate you having me on. Thank you so much for the opportunity. To learn more about Gene, just go to lightinguprealestate.com. 